Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that gives you everything you need to ace your GRE exam. A full textbook, videos on key topics, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing adaptive algorithm, and a built-in study planner and essay grader, and of course, full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code PODCAST to get 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Scott Clyburn from North Avenue Education with us. Scott, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself for the people who have not heard you before. Yeah, so my name is Scott. I'm the founder and director of North Avenue Education. Uh, We're a test prep and tutoring company with in-person offices in the Portland, Oregon area and expert GRE, GMAT, and LSAT uh, tutors available in person or online. Great. Yeah, and then one of the things you do is tutor the GRE, and one of the fun parts of the GRE (laughs) is the Analyze an Issue essay, right? And this is kind of, this is the essay that survived uh, the GRE getting cut in half. Um, so even if you, you know, we're recording this after the GRE is now a two hour test instead of a four hour test. Um, and this is the one essay that's left, uh, but it's still an important one. And I think that, you know, getting a good score on this can definitely be important depending on what kind of programs you're applying to, just showing kind of your communication skills. Um, and it can pair really nicely with a good verbal score. So with the analyze an issue essay kind of where do you start like what uh when you're walking people through this like how do you like to kind of kick it off yeah yeah so the first thing i like to do is uh take get, get some kind of a evaluation or assessment of my students uh experience writing persuasive essays in the past so if i give a if i have a student that's maybe coming from a humanities undergraduate degree um something like philosophy or religious studies uh, or even English literature, uh, those would be would be fields where you know this kind of uh, this kind of way of writing is very familiar and very common, uh, and they'll be very practiced in making an argument uh, in the way that GRE wants to see. If the students come from another background, um, maybe they were you know in the sciences or, or nursing or something like that, but they're going to a graduate program that requires their or you know, recommends that they take the GRE, they might be uh, pretty unfamiliar with the style of writing. Um, so first I try to get a, a sense of their experience doing things like this. And then we talk a bit about uh, logical argumentation. And I really like mm-hmm. to use uh, one diagram or one model uh, to talk about argumentation. And that is one pioneered by the British philosopher, Stephen Toulmin. Um, it's called the Toulmin method. And you can find it, you, know, you can find nice diagrams or write-ups of this method. Uh, uh, on a lot of different web pages. How do you spell Toolman? Yeah, T O U L M I N. Toolman. Okay. Yeah, the Toolman method. Got it. The uh, the Purdue Online Writing Lab, Purdue O W L, has a lot of great resources about this particular method of argumentation. And I should say this is only one method, uh, one way of structuring an argument. But I think it's a it's one that is both uh, particularly easy to to distill for a student. Um, and emulate as a student. And it's particularly uh, applicable to the GRE analyze an issue prompt. So mm-hmm. the basic components of the Toolman method are, um, are claim, backing, and warrant. Claim, backing, and warrant. 
So the mm -hmm. claim is sort of your thesis, right? It's like, what do you want to argue? Uh, the backing is sort of like the grounds is sometimes how it's called, uh, is, is sort of what you uh, leverage as evidence in support of your claim or of your, your mm -hmm. thesis. And then the warrant is kind of all the additional things that have to be true that make your evidence good or, you know, relevant or persuasive. Because uh, I could say, I could make an argument that's, you know, the Portland Trailblazers are, are the best team in the NBA. And you could say, well, why do you think that, Scott? And I could bring up a lot of facts. Uh, like I could say, well, you know, there's uh, 13 planets in the solar system. And you'd say, well, hold on. That may be true, Scott, but that doesn't bear any relevance to whether the Blazers are the best team in the NBA. So your, your, your grounds or your, your evidence can be true without being appropriate or relevant or uh, good grounds for your claim. That's where the warrant comes in. Like what are the things that make your grounds or your evidence really accurate and applicable to your claim? So three-part structure, right. super straightforward. Um, if students master that, they can take any prompt in the analyze and issue prompt pool, which is a finite set of pools, by the way, that you can access on GRE's website, uh, and mm -hmm. develop arguments for any of those prompts. Yeah. So then talk to me, like you made a comment a while ago that I just wanted to uh, quickly come back to, and then I want to dig into kind of the developing an argument. but. Um, you said, you know, it, people that maybe have had like certain experiences before are very good at giving Jiri what they want, right? When with the essay. And I think it would just be helpful to enumerate like, what does the Jiri want? Like, what are, what is kind of, what are the, the things that, um, they're measuring you against? Uh, and then also kind of like, you know, more qualitatively like what are they looking for too right outside yeah yeah so what they literally say uh about this about this um task the analyze a uh, an issue task is that they're looking to assess your ability to one articulate and support complex ideas two construct arguments and three sustain a focused and coherent discussion they make mm -hmm. explicit that it doesn't require any specific content knowledge. So all of the, all of the topics or the prompts that you'll get, uh, they might sound like they're from a particular field of study sometimes. Like there are some mm -hmm. that are like about public policy or about education and pedagogy. Um, but you don't, they're not trying to see like how, you know, well-defined and informed from the real world, your opinions on the, that particular topic are. They're really just seeing how well can you kind of take any topic and formulate a coherent argument uh, and, and lead your reader through kind of a series of points that unpack and illuminate different facets of your perspective on that claim or on that topic. Right. And really quickly, um, if you bring in outside information, like let's say you actually know a lot about public policy. Like, and you start referencing things that are not included in the prompt, do you get dinged for that? Like, do you need to kind of keep it within the box or not really? No, no. I, I think that can be an asset, especially for, for students themselves. If, if they get a prompt that they, you know, maybe was like related to their undergraduate uh, work or their, you know, um, maybe their professional experience, they might uh, really benefit from, from that and, and feel like they can 
wield a lot of uh, concrete examples right off the bat. Uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily like the first, actually, an important thing to say is that jury does not assess the factual accuracy of your evidence or your claims, right? So it's it's purely persuasion and opinion that they are assessing mm-hmm. you on. They're not saying, you know, if, if you say, uh, you know, this policy is is great because, you know, Barack Obama was the first president of the United States of America. Uh, they're going to be like, okay, that may not be true, but it, it doesn't matter if it's true. What what matters is, is it a relevant, you know, piece of evidence to, to wager in support of this claim? Mm-hmm. Got it. So then, yeah, let's, let's dig into kind of how to build your argument, right? Um, you're going to be given a topic. It might be about, you know, the mating patterns of, of seals. It might be about this, something in astronomy. It might be about public policy, whatever it is. Um, you're going to have to essentially pick a side, right? Well, so the analyze an argument, that's the one I think that maybe presents multiple sides. The issue one, which is the only one left, is more just like you're, you have to kind of have a nuanced point of view on it. Is that roughly it? Yeah, so so more often than not, the prompts will be a single statement, uh, like th- that will make a a, a claim, um, something like uh, it is best to teach all students according to a standardized national curriculum, right? So all right. all all public school students should be following a standardized national curriculum, and like okay, well that's from the world of education or maybe public policy and education, um. It doesn't really matter whether the country that I live in has a national curriculum or whether, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter what I ultimately think about that. All I have to do is take a stance, take a side and argue, uh, you know, at least two points in favor of my side and then Mm -hmm. present at least one point. This is my kind of structure that I use at least one point that either argues uh, from the other direction or somehow mitigates or limits or qualifies your your perspective so it's not necessarily a lot of students come into this to this prompt thinking that they have to do what they learned in high school which is two pro and one counter uh claim um or, mm-hmm. or two for and one against uh to show balance and show you know like a you know reasonable... which, which if you're which if you're comfortable with is not a terrible plan right not no no, no. it's it's very it, it yeah. sometimes strikes uh i i read those i read a lot of these essays and it sometimes strikes me as formulaic uh but there are really way you know exceptional ways to pull it off and if it's if it's really well argued and, and well uh, executed it's a perfectly fine structure i think mm-hmm. one of the things that might the students might be might benefit from learning is that you're you're kind of well actually let's talk about why each of those components is important so having more than one you know pro or in favor of some position the reason that that's helpful rather than just one point is that you're able to kind of show nuance you're able to show like mm-hmm. well here's one reason that this is a good idea um you know uh, it, it serves uh equity it makes it, it ensures that all students have equal treatment in this curriculum right and that's an important mm-hmm. value in education let me talk about equity for a few minutes right and then maybe another reason pro and national curriculum is it's uh, it's streamlined and efficient, especially when it comes to time to you know assessing students for college readiness or college admissions, right? So those are two different, distinct claims or ideas, right? It's it serves equity and it's streamlined and efficient, 
There's different stakeholders for each of those concerns. And it allows me to talk about this claim of a national standardized national curriculum with nuance and, and seeing kind of different sides come to life and different sets of examples. I'll probably use, you know, different um, different case studies or different anecdotes to support each of my of my paragraphs there. So having more than right. one is, is helpful. And then having some kind of limiting or qualifying, you know, paragraph where you kind of say, well, you know, there is something to be said on the other side. And that just shows balance and perspective. It shows that you're able to see kind of both sides of an issue, even if, you know, you still ultimately fall down on the side of like a national curriculum is still best. It's, it's helpful to, to show that you're not, you know, dogmatic, that you can, that you can, you know, imagine uh, your interlocutor or your, your opponent operating in good faith and presenting, you know, compelling uh, reasons and arguments on the other side. And that's really, that's what, what graduate schools want in their students. They want someone who -hmm. can see both sides of an issue and interact and engage with fellow students in, you know, in healthy and productive ways. Yeah. And so, you know, would you say then you're not just saying like argument for argument for argument against, it sounds to me like you want a little bit more like here's one thing to think about, here's the second thing to think about. And then the third is like, and, you know, I understand that critics would say this, but here's my response to that. Almost where you present the counterpoint, but then you counter the counterpoint in that third paragraph. Is that roughly kind of the the idea? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Tyler, because a lot of students will get, uh, will make a big mistake here. Uh, the, the one that I think that they get dinged on when it comes to scoring the analyze and issue task. And that is that they don't take a definitive stance. They kind of do the like, well, A is good. And you know what? B is good too, actually. And then the end, they don't, they kind of conclude their, their essay without really showing why A or B would win out in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. And the GRE doesn't like that. The GRE really, really wants you to take a stance. It wants you to have a firm opinion on one side or the other. Uh, and the reason there is because it's pretty easy to say, yeah, it's complex. I see both sides. I mean, of course, all these issues that they bring up are complex. They're intended to, you know, they're, they're picked and, and skillfully written, these prompts, specifically because it is possible to to wager really compelling arguments either for or against them, right? They don't want to pick a, an easy, you know, straw man perspective that it would be impossible to argue against. So, mm-hmm you have to show that balance without just capitulating to a, well, it depends. A lot of my students first, you know, passes at this task end up sounding like that. They just, they waffle and they don't take a firm stance. Mm -hmm. And I I tell them, look, you're going to get a poor score on that. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, you know, this isn't the topic of today, but like one of the things that drives me nuts about, you know, things that are written by chat GPT is ChatGPT will do exactly what you just said, where it's like, you know, basically like, here's all the reasons why this is great. Here's the reasons why other people don't think this is great. The end. And you're just like, what am I supposed to take away, right? Like, if you, an essay should really have, like, you should basically want the reader to leave with something. And that requires you having like a point kind of from a to z that you're driving towards Mm -hmm. and i do feel like that aligns with what the gre wants in their essay structure 
you know, they want you to basically kind of be having everything align under a single point or a single kind of like opinion that you're trying to make for that particular uh for that particular topic and they don't want you to just be like this is a really complex thing and there's like valid arguments on both sides i think they do want you to kind of like basically go somewhere with it is that accurate yeah absolutely it is yeah one of the things i like to say to my students is uh you know your reader should should leave enlightened your reader should read should leave your your essay more informed and and with with better kind of um perspective on this topic or this this issue that is contained in the prompt uh and it's just very hard to do that while saying both and right while saying well this side is is really strong and this side is also really strong your reader is going to leave reading your essay with a sense of disappointment or you know this didn't really go anywhere i i don't feel like i've i've reached kind of a a nice uh resolution here mhm yeah exactly and that kind of it, it all comes back like you know they have this in the rubric too right but it all comes back to this idea that like you should leave this with like a real essay right like mm-hmm. not just kind of like you know you you've got sort of a formula that you're that you're plugging in different ideas to um yeah so other than that i feel like i've i i've been doing a good job of repeating what you've already said <laughs> but i'm curious what other things maybe are important for this like or any kind of part like concluding thoughts on on this topic yeah, so one of the things that I like to point out is in the um, in the official JIRI material about the analyzing issue, they give you a, just like they give you a list of all the, the prompts, they give you a list of all the instructions. So the instructions are actually different from the prompts. Uh, each task will have a prompt and an instruction. And mm-hmm. so the prompt would be something like, you know, it, it is better uh, for all students to study a national standardized national curriculum. Uh, and then the instruction could be something like, you know, uh, present an argument, you know, for this position or present an argument against this position. Or maybe the the prompt actually has both a claim and a reason, like uh, a national standardized curriculum is superior because of X, Y, or Z. And the instructions might actually call out specifically the reason. And it might even see, I've seen some some iterations of this where it says, you know, discuss the extent to which you agree or disagree with the reason, but not the claim, or maybe the Mm. claim, but not the reason, or maybe them independently. And so you might have to kind of like structure your argument uh, in your essay differently, depending on what the instructions are. So in other words, definitely don't blow past those instructions. They're not the same every time. They will, you know, be grading you on how well you followed the instructions, uh, not just addressed the prompt. So the instructions right. kind of give you your template or give you your your kind of game plan. Yeah, I think that's also like just a good GRE tip in general, but definitely for this is just like this idea of like the GRE loves to take a question where you kind of are like, oh, I know how to do this, but then give you a specific prompt that makes it tricky, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they do that even with like math stuff but uh Absolutely. in this yeah definitely make sure and i guess just for the sake of posterity here 
like when you talk about reason versus claim, right? Can you go into a little bit more like what the difference is between those two things and the way that they're used here? Yeah, that is something that I, I do have to talk a lot about with students. Because um, a lot of students, unless they've kind of taken a formal logic course uh, or studied something like philosophy, haven't really encountered uh, you know these semantics very, very robustly. So a claim is a statement about reality, right? Uh, like, like the Blazers are the best team in the NBA. That's a claim, right? And the reason is the is the sort of backing or support or logical sort of underpinnings and assumptions that support that claim, right? So you know, I, I might say, well, they're the best team in the NBA because they have the most uh, three point shots, or they're the best team in the NBA because they have this amazing starting line. Are they the best team in the NBA because the fan base is particularly committed and vocal, you know? Um, so those are all reasons why that claim might be true, right? And we can we can assess and evaluate them independently of one another. Some of them, the claim could be true, but one or more of those reasons could not be true, mm-hmm. right? And so it's important to kind of have a distinction in your mind between the, the thesis or the claim and the logical underpinning or foundations the reasons why that claim must be true got it yeah that makes a lot of sense anything else before we wrap up here uh, the only other thing i would say is that uh the GRE has for a few years now been the GRE analyzed an issue or both writing prompts in fact have been graded uh, with the help of uh an algorithm or, or an ai a robo grader mm. And so it's important for students to know that because it's 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 they, they do still have a human grader that that pitches in, um, but it's really important to remember that you you have to be very explicit and very clear, and you have to use the right keywords because it's ultimately uh, you know an AI that's assessing your writing, and mm-hmm. you can be subtle you can you can use you know florid or ornate language if you want. But you also want to make sure not to overdo it because you, you can't uh, you, ultimately you have to be um, speaking plainly enough for the for the AI or the robo grader to appreciate your argument. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I appreciate that you brought up the robo grader because we uh, wrote a blog post. If you Google, you know, achievable blog GRE essay, um, you will find this blog post. Uh, but we basically wrote, a, we analyzed a thousand essays. We had them graded by humans twice, and then we had them graded by a machine learning algorithm. And we used that for our own training for our machine learning essay grader. But then we also did a blog post on what we found. And one, there are some things that are like pretty easy to do that are um, really good, just like score boosters. Right, like the one of the biggest ones is word count. Yeah. If your essay is more than seven hundred fifty words, you get a boost in a out of six points. You know, one to six, you get an average boost of like point three <laughs> for just having enough words. Right. Mm-hmm. So some, you know, some advice I've heard in the past is just like practice writing for thirty minutes and getting to you know eight hundred to a thousand words every time. Yeah. And that'll at least put set you on the right path. Um, I, I don't want to just like reiterate the whole blog post. Uh, people should go check it out. But 
there's a lot of little things like you said just now around like sentence structure, right? Like the robo grader prefers sentences with one topic, not like a long sentence with semicolons and like four different mm. points is trying mm -hmm. to make. And a bunch of other little things like that, um, that you can just uh, make subtle adjustments to your writing style. And that might be the difference between, you know, a 4.5 and a 5 or something like that. So, Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Scott Clyburn from North Avenue Education. And Achievable has a great online GRE course. You can try it for free by going to achievable.me. And if you like it, save 10% by using the code podcast at checkout.